Hi, I'm Delene Allen, the networking queen. I love to connect people. There is nothing more wonderful than the human connection, the connection that can lead to incredible things, to love, to business, to make our lives just so much richer, meeting and connecting on a deeper level than, hi, here's my business card, but making those human connections that can take you to magical places. Stay tuned for network equals net worth. I wanna hear your stories. I wanna share your stories. Good day, it's Delene Allen, network equals net worth. And we're not talking about money here, we're talking about community and relationships. And I gotta tell you, what a treat you're in for today as I introduce Stephanie. She started off in life with a philosophy degree from Queen's University, and then she decided to become an airline mechanic. And then from there, she became a, a police constable for the Ottawa Police Service. And then she was promoted to a police detective through the Toronto Police. And then she became owner of Spec 3 properties. It's likely a property. Uh, it's a renovation and remodeling company. And most important, she is now founder of the Project Garage. And we're going to talk about that. But Stephanie, you got a story and I love it. And it all started in St. John, New Brunswick. And you have some pretty incredible relatives. And I'd love to hear about your grandmother. Thanks for uh, Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, yes, my grandmother was uh, was phenomenal. She was a, a larger than life character from rural Nova Scotia. She was on Beaver Mountain just outside of uh, Antigonish. And in a time where uh, women often, you know, didn't have careers or um, had careers raising their families, because that's obviously the toughest job on the planet. And she had six kids. Um, she was uh, an author she was she had her own radio show over in uh, PEI she used to fly over and and do her radio show um you know she she was kind of a she was a, a bit of a rascal like she always seemed to manage to get funds from the government to like start these <laughs> projects i don't even know how she did it but you know she would get funds and she opened up a campground and she did all i mean honestly she she did so many things but she was my first real influence as uh, an entrepreneur and probably the only one in my family there's a couple more people now that do it but she she was really the only one brave enough to not worry about getting the job with the pension and all this type of stuff right yeah excellent and then growing up in St. John New Brunswick that phenomenal uh, St. John market was that a family staple you went there a lot love the market the yeah. market was like the market was such a weird mystical place of smells and sounds and community and collisions and yeah the market was always a big uh influence growing up especially the smell of dulse oh. only place in the world where there's just bags of dulse <laughs> like oh. and you would eat them they're so salty yeah, but exactly. yeah no great place dynamite and so um you talked about the sense of community growing up. I would love to hear some more about that because you also said that family members really um, were just natural connectors. Yeah, I think there were more natural connectors in the sense of um, community and family. I wouldn't say that because most of them, besides my grandmother, went into jobs that were like, you know, working for 
uh, Bell Canada or like big corporations and things like that. Um, I wouldn't say that they were like master networkers on that end. But in terms of uh, community and family, like, you know, you never went someplace and ever felt like you were walking into someone's home and you weren't welcome. There was always like cookies and cakes and, you know, these impossibly small kitchens where people would like create these beautiful things to make you feel so welcome in their home. And they would always, there was never a time, that was the one thing I was taught growing up. You should always make everyone feel welcome in your home, no matter who they are. So the connections that they forged within the communities uh, was incredible, incredible to watch. Yeah. And, and that feeling as a young person, as a child and a young adult, that you belonged, right? Or yeah. that you were safe in that community. And, and with COVID, you know, and everything else that's been going on in the world, I think we're, we're lacking that connection, don't you? I do. I think one of the big greatest uh, lessons I learned from my life as a child was to measure by how many porch lights are on for me out in the world. And to me, that means how many houses could I walk up to and knock on the door and have someone invite me in right away? I have so many porch lights from people who I've created lifelong relationships with that I know that, I, that their light is always on for me. Exactly. And what a comfort that is. I grew up in a small community as well. But sometimes when you're the person from away, you know, it's still we have to prove ourselves. Um, So between St. John and and outside of Anaganish, you likely knew those two lanes of highway pretty well. You visited back and forth a lot. Oh, my God. Yes. And you know what? The, The funny thing is, even now as an adult, um, I try to describe to people, because especially I spent a lot of time in Ontario later, we have multi-lane high- highways. I try to describe to people two things. One, how wonderful that was, because you had mile markers along the road where you got the best pie. We always stopped in at one place for the bacon double cheeseburger at Patrick Quinn's on the way through the valley. Like there was always places that you stopped and those were like precious to me. Those were very good memories. The other memories were how terrifying it was to drive on two lane roads trying to pass logging trucks, right? Like there wasn't, you had to learn how to actually pass by going into oncoming traffic and going around. People don't often have to do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. The snowstorms, the bad roads, like honestly, I can't believe I'm alive. But yeah. so it was kind of like either really great memories about the yummy pie I ate or sheer stark raving terror about driving on the roads. And by the sounds of things, that if you went through the valley, I think there's a lot of people that don't know there's a ferry from St. John, right? There is. I've never taken the ferry. Oh, you haven't? Never. Yeah. Yeah. So you decided you got a psychology degree from Queens. Philosophy. Philosophy. I'm sorry. Philosophy. Yeah. And um, tell us the things that you learned with that, because I think you are very perceptive with people. And I think naturally, but did that enhance it? It did. It was a very, I remember coming out of my first philosophy class. And actually, I started out at McMaster and finished up at Queens. And I remember walking out of my first philosophy class at McMaster. And I looked at a tree and the colors outside. And I remember thinking, everything looked different. And it wasn't because everything was different. It was because I was already different. I was already starting to learn to perceive things in a different way. And 
honestly, my my degree in that particular field of study has probably been the most influential thing for me. Policing, mechanics, whatever you think of it, philosophy. The basis of philosophy is actually logic, coming up with a logical argument. So, following that, you know, mindset, it really can apply to anything, and it's been it has served me so well in my life just to think deeply about things and myself. Wow. And then you decided to become an airline mechanic. Tell us about that. Actually, you know, it was the reverse. I started out as a, as an aircraft mechanic um, I, with a special interest in helicopters. And uh, I actually flew helicopters at a Toronto Island airport, little R-22 helicopters. And um, it was just a natural extension. Like I always loved turning wrenches and I had been in the, the Navy reserves as a diesel mechanic I just love working with my hands. I love problem solving. I think that's the key is that philosophy, mechanics, policing, anything I've ever been in, even building this business now, it's all problem solving on different levels. So if for me, life is like a chessboard, I'm working on one of those 3D chess sets that's like on different levels, not just flat. Wow. That's amazing. And then how, how did you get into law enforcement? Like, you know, honestly, it just, I had an interest in so many different things. And between my ability to connect with people, you know, whether or not you're a mechanic or a philosopher, uh, whether you enjoy the theater or, or, you know, turning wrenches, I was able to relate to such a wide group of people um, that it just made it a natural extension to go into policing. Like, how can I use this ridiculously weird set of skills? Huh? Being a police officer, that's probably pretty good. Wow. Well, something else that you said uh, earlier when we started talking, that theater and drama, and I have a feeling some comedy in there was also something you were drawn to, wasn't it? Absolutely. I love, I love the theater. It didn't love me as much back, only because I wasn't a, pro, a very stereotypical kind of person. At that time, it was like Pretty Woman was because Julia Roberts and all these was very, uh, you know, early 90s everybody's got to be beautiful and you know we didn't have these sort of quirky interesting characters that we find in every movie now I just the world wasn't quite ready for me and that sucks a little bit because I was very good I was very good in the theater but being in policing um, you have to be a lot of different things so it kind of was a natural extension for me to go into something where I could be a lot of different things well, and, and relate to a lot of different people. Absolutely. You know, different situations that can be, you know, uh, kind of terrifying possibly. Yep. So, but here's where I'm going to tease you, Steph. I always yeah. wanted to be a stand-up comic. Um, that it's never too late. <laughs> never too late. So I agree with you. But what I will say is that I've learned in my journey that um, you could have five glasses of water in front of you and you'd better start to fill up one before you start filling up the other or you only have a bunch of glasses with a little bit in the bottom. Right. I would love to re-explore the theater and stuff, but I'm so focused right now on um, my my business and, and building that business and my goals that um, I'll go to the theater and I'll enjoy myself, but maybe just don't have the time right now to dedicate to that. People join BNI to get work. Its primary mission, BNI is a referral-based organisation, meaning people join to receive referrals. But that's not why they stay. They stay because of the support. 
And the reason that BNI is so successful is it's got the support and it's got the referrals. Because when you're down, it's never money that will fix it. It's other people lifting you back up. And that's the best part. Go to our website, click the contact us button, give us a call. Just check out a meeting, because once you see it, you'll understand it. So welcome back. So here we go, uh, flying helicopters to becoming law enforcement. So you went to Ottawa then? I did. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest with everybody because I think there's not enough honor honesty on the planet. Um, I went to Ottawa because at the time I had just uh, finished my degree in philosophy and uh, there were no, I was in Kingston. There were no jobs. And I ended up applying and getting a um, job on a government phone line, government of Canada, gouvernement de Canada, bonjour. And I drove myself up. I just needed my, I needed a job. I don't like to be idle. So I moved from Kingston to Ottawa for a minimum wage job, talking on the telephones. And that's how I ended up being in Ottawa, um, eventually applying to the police. Wow. So is the training rigorous to become a police officer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You get hired and then they send you to police college. Um, so I was there, I want to say it was three months. It was in Aylmer, Ontario middle of cornfields and i think there was one tim hortons um it was you know running and learning how to deal with armed suspects and getting pepper sprayed in the face uh, which i did not enjoy by the way um and it was you know we're adults right we weren't kids so it wasn't like going back to university and wanting to be in the dorm room again you were taken away from your normal life um and then you're at this this police college away from you know, everybody you care about. So yeah, it was a little bit, bit challenging and just a change of mindset, right? Like I'm a pretty honest, um, maybe too trustworthy kind of person. And I had to learn to not be so much. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and because of so many different situations that you're put in the middle of that, I'm sure over a period of time that does change your outlook on things, doesn't it? It does. And I think it's one of the reasons I left policing is because it was changing my mindset a bit too much. I had spent 18 years in policing and I remember seeing some kids playing uh, in a neighborhood. It wasn't a particularly good neighborhood, but I remember seeing these kids playing um, badminton or something. And I, I said, what are you guys doing here? And they said, oh, we have after school program for badminton. I was like, oh, yeah, I had forgotten that kids don't just do bad things after school. They actually like participate in activities and become like good members of society. I just hadn't been exposed to that in a long time. So I was like, how strange these children are, are doing something normal. And then I'm like, okay, I'm a person who loves optimism and my, my brain is getting a bit too jaded. Maybe it's time to move on. Yeah. And so is that when you decided to become a detective or that was past that as well? It kind of all, I I got promoted. I think we, I did the same thing everybody does, um, tried to find a solution. Instead of throwing away, you know, the decades of, of career that I, I had uh, already accomplished, I tried to find different positions that might make me happy. Um, so I got promoted to sergeant, and I did like being in charge of people. I like being able to help people direct their careers. Um, but then I got moved to detective. I tried everything. I was on the SWAT team. I was on the riot squad. I tried so many different things, Daylene, and it just, 
at some point, I was like, I'm just not happy. Right? Not happy. So it's time to 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 be brave enough to leave the golden handcuffs, the pension, the security, not say things like, oh, only a decade more and I'll be able to retire. <laughs> like let's let's work with some passion and not just a pension. Right? It, absolutely. Yeah. Perfectly said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, and yet that takes a lot of courage, Steph, to step out of that comfort zone and do something like that. So then, so we're kissing law enforcement goodbye. And then we decide it's a property management company. So I had already been in, I'd already been doing renovations. Um, we had been on a show called Income Property on HGTV. Um, and we had learned um, how to maximize home value by doing renovations and I already was handy. So we started purchasing homes and renovating to rent single family homes. Um, Cause as a police officer, I wasn't going to have any tenant on tenant disputes. <laughs> so I'm like only renting houses for one family at a time. Um, but we got really good at renovations. And um, so I had already started doing that in policing was sort of a transition thing. And then we started a company called spec three uh, properties when we moved out here. Excellent. And so uh, buying and flipping rental, you know, you had rental properties. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, no flipping. I don't like. I believe in making sure that everybody has a home to live in. Um, I don't really enjoy what's happened to the decimation of the middle class here. Um, so I'm a big I'm a big believer in if you have a good job and your spouse has a good job and yeah, raising a family that you should have a home to make your home not not predominantly as an investment. So um, I did no flips, but I renovated and then rented out so that people could have a home to raise their families in. Beautiful. Oh, that's fabulous. And so what drew you, because I know there's a good story here between all the connections. <laughs> and when I think about your sense of community, because you took that, didn't you, wherever you moved to, Stephanie? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I love it when somebody says, um, oh, it's just you on the Zoom. No, it's not. How many, you know, armies of people, right? The Pied Piper, because you are so much fun to be around that people connected, you know, made that human connection. And then adding the value of being sincerely wanting to help people, even in law enforcement, you were likely one of the fairest officers I'd likely have ever met. But <clears throat> going back to, as you did renovations and how it became the project for us, because I think the idea is just so brilliant. Oh, thanks so much. It, it really, I think what I've learned is that you create businesses either from like some people will just think, oh, this is an idea and I'm going to explore this, or you're in a business and you realize a friction point or you know, something that's missing and ways that you can improve things and you action that as opposed to just trying to come up with an idea. So for me, I was working in the um, renovation remodeling industry um, and I noticed that there was a lot of people who would reach out to me after I had done a renovation for them and they would say, okay, you helped me out before. Can you just tell me a little bit of maybe now about how to do my own backsplash? I ran into a plumbing issue. Can you just walk me through it? And I thought, you know what? I actually do want to help people, but I also need to get paid <laughs> for my information and my time. And 
there's got to be a way to help people not pay as much like hire out a pro to physically come there, especially for smaller jobs that a lot of the pros won't go to. There's got to be a way to service these people and create like a connection with them without just giving up more of my time and energy when I should be out actually, you know, doing work, paid work. So I came up with the idea of the project garage, um, which is connecting the DIYers with vetted tradespeople for virtual help on their jobs. And uh, I've been testing it now for about a year and a half. And finally, we're we're in the we're in the final stretch here where we're actually getting going. Um, but it's really interesting to see how the communities have changed. Like I'm used to these one-on-one interactions where, you know, you create community in person, but the Project Garage is actually doing the same thing, creating communities uh, for the tradespeople, for the DIYers, for underrepresented people in the trades, mentorship. That's all starting to come to be on the Project Garage. So it's like a virtual network, but man, it's uh, it's got some legs for sure. And but peace of mind right like yay Uh, how many of us start on a project oh yeah it's a piece of cake until you get into it then you go what (laughs) what do i do now yeah as with so many brilliant ideas it's simple but you saw the need you filled it the pain you'll heal it um and interesting because of your love of community and understanding that from an early age it's amazing how you're realizing now the magnitude of what you you are doing. I feel like I just want to give back a little bit of what I had when I was young because my uncle Keith and my uncle Jimmy and, you know, all of my aunts and they really taught me to be self-sufficient. And because we were all close, because my mom's from a family of six and they all have kids and I'm close to my cousins and I never worried about not getting the information I needed. And I never worried about someone not taking me under their wing and teaching me stuff. So I always felt very comfortable. Like if, I mean, even over the long weekend a while ago, we had a plumbing leak and it never occurred to me to be like scared of that. I was like, oh, well, I guess I better figure out what it is and go fix it. But people don't have that anymore. I feel like- Here's the thing, Stephanie, you had such good role models in the family okay yeah that that became second nature but for most people that wasn't second nature but don't you think that people can get over that fear by at least practicing a little bit you know like would you would you mind giving me your opinion most people have given opinion not that we maybe always (laughs) want to hear it but but to be able to be comfortable enough to ask i think that speaks volumes to the type of family that you have um and if we can teach other people you know to ask for help or an opinion um should be easier don't you think well i think part of it is because we've lost these these connections and and communities sometimes normally you would have this person in your bag of tricks we all used to live kind of geographically in the same areas now poof everybody's spread to the winds So you don't necessarily have the connections that we would have had growing up. The second thing is that, so you move to this major urban center or wherever it is that you are separated from everybody. And you don't know that Billy down the road is the guy that people call for the plumbing or whatever it is. Or maybe 
English isn't your first language. Maybe you're an immigrant coming into the community and, you know, your first language is Cantonese. What the Project Garage is creating is a virtual Billy and the ability to connect with people who speak your language or that you connect with culturally all across Canada. So, you know, in terms of being afraid, you've got a new house, you're living in Upper Muscadabit and you're, <laughs> you can't even figure out how to deal with your problem because you don't understand the language well enough to deal with the technical issues. Heck, call someone in Toronto virtually and they'll come on the video and you can you can get your Billy, your version of Billy on the video and work you through the problem. So it's it's empowering in the sense that you don't have to feel alone. You could be anywhere in the world and connect with anybody about a problem that you're having. Because face it, Daylene, do you remember your first house? I don't know about you, but I felt like it was trying to kill me. (laughs) So we did the rental property for a while. Yeah. 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 But it's like you get into this and it's like maybe, you know, you don't know how to work an electrical panel. You don't know what a water pump is, like all of these things. And it's like, okay, who who do I call? How do I get help? Well, now you have a virtual platform that allows you to connect with yeah. people anywhere in Canada. Yeah. Well, and again, you're creating a sense of community. I love that. Uh, but also, let's say, beyond the sense of community, people that can really help you when you are in the middle of that muddle going, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know what? The best part is we integrated a thing called available for local hire. So if you do call and you're like, I got this, I can do it. I just need some advice. You call the guy gives you some advice or the girl gives you some advice and you're like, I totally can't do this. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> then you can actually pick a pro that is available for local hire in your area. And then they can, you can ask whether or not they could come and help. So it is a way of like figuring out who's in your community, who can help you. Yeah. Oh, that is brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. So treat to talk to you. Stephanie's information for Project Garage will be here. Everybody's got a story. Thanks for listening to Network Equals Network. Um, I'd love to hear yours. Have a great day. Thanks for having me, Daylene. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. What you like best about today's conversations and the connections that lead to miraculous outcomes. Leave a review. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to share your story too. So why not touch base with Delene Allen on Instagram and we'll keep the conversations going.